Thanks for checking out our weekly podcast. Our mission at Grace is to help people worship God, connect to others, and serve both. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. For more information about Grace, you can follow us on Facebook or check out our website at experiencegrace.church. All right, if you have your Bibles with you, you'll be in Ephesians chapter 4. While you're turning there, I did want to remind you last week, uh, and actually the last couple of weeks, you we talked a little bit about how God has gifted us, and so we have some handouts out there. Uh, one of them is talks a little bit about the different gifts. The other one talks about different places you can plug in uh, with those gifts. And uh, one thing that I've, I was really challenged with is when it comes to spiritual gifts, one of the things to recognize is that the, the Spirit of God, when you're walking in the Spirit, just like Mark was saying earlier, the, the Spirit produces the the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And so just because you may not feel like you have one gift doesn't mean that the Spirit of God can't produce that uh, in your life. One of the difficulties of doing these spiritual gifts tests is that some people feel like, well, I'm the kind of person that I'm a prophet. I just tell it like it is. I don't have to be nice to people. <laughs> no, that's not exactly how it works. Or I don't have the gift of giving, so I don't have to give anything, right? You know, And so uh, it's important that we temper these kinds of things uh, with what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. But either way, it's kind of a neat thing to see how God God has uniquely made each of us, and I would encourage you to pick up one of those out there at the Welcome uh, Center. Uh, there are certain things in life that cause us to walk a little bit different, differently, cause us to act a little bit differently. Uh, recently, our family went down to uh, Galveston. We drove 17 hours in one day through snow, and it was miserable, and we will never do that again. Uh, but what we try to do when you're doing those long trips, try to go as far as you can, right? And so you get it almost to where you're almost out of gas. Like, okay, finally, we'll stop. We'll, get, we'll go to the restroom, get gas and everything. And when you get out of the car, because of what you've done, you walk differently. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Kind of walk like Jeff Workman does right now. Just, just oh man, <laughs> you know what I mean? There are certain things in life that when you, when you, when you do these things, it, it, it changes the way you walk or changes the way you act. When I was 16 years old, I worked at Godfather's Pizza in Normal, and I had a 1984 Oldsmobile Cutlass Calais. It was a sweet ride. Not really, uh, but I had that, and I locked my keys in my car. It was the last time I've ever done that <laughs> because it changed my life. As a matter of fact, uh, every time I get out of my vehicle, I lock the door, and I pull my key out, and I physically, with my eyes, look at it and then shut the door because I don't want to ever do it again, right? Is anyone else weird like that? You've got different things, like you've experienced something, and it's changed your behavior. It's made you walk differently. Uh, this is something that's not only true for us physically in our, our day-to-day lives, but it's true for us spiritually in our day-to-day lives. We've referenced this verse multiple times throughout the last few weeks, but in 2 Corinthians 5 it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. You know, I, I, I think it's exactly what Mark was talking about, how when the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, and you know you're forgiven, it changes the way you live. I was talking to April after the service last week, and she said, man, since I, since I got saved, she said, I used to dread Sundays, but now I just can't wait to get here. Matter of fact, she was here waiting for us to open the door this morning. We got, just kidding. She wasn't that early. <laughs> but she was just excited. She said, there's just something different, right? And that thing that's different is she's been made new. She's a new creature, and we, we're celebrating with her on that. We've been walking through Ephesians chapter 4 and seeing what it looks like to be what we're calling this, this sermon series, Made New. If 2 Corinthians tells us that we are new creatures, we're looking at this passage and seeing what that looks like. We're seeing how uh, believing the gospel causes us to walk 
differently or to act differently. Because the truth of the matter is, and, and Mark kind of stole my thunder, I'm a little bitter about that, Mark, uh, but uh, the truth of the matter is that things are different. Uh, we're picking up in Ephesians 4, but in Ephesians 1 through 3, I don't have time to go through all of them, but these are the things that he says are different whenever you get saved. He says, we were without Christ having no hope, but now we are in Christ and we are made nigh by the blood of Jesus. It talks about how we are adopted. It talks about how we are made a child of the living God. He says we have redemption. We have forgiveness. We have been given the Holy Spirit of God. And then last week we talked about how God has given us these gifts on top of it. So if you've believed the Gospel, there are a lot of things that have happened. And what we're looking at today is we're seeing how, as those things have happened, how it shapes us, how it causes us to walk differently. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1, uh, we see the first of two therefores there. And people make fun of me when I tell you what therefore is therefore, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, but I'll just tell you, he's drawing off of everything he said in the first three chapters. In verse number 1 of chapter 4, he says, I therefore, because of all these things, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you, I beg you that you would just walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. We've talked about this verse, so we're not going to rehash all of it, but basically he's saying, live a life that is consistent with your new identity in Christ. He goes on just a few verses later and talks about how there's one body and one spirit and all of these things, and he's pointing out one of the reasons we need to be different is because we represent to a lost and dying world the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he tells us to take note of the gifts that God has given to us. And the reason God has given us these gifts is so that we can minister and edify uh, others. And then he tells us how when we're walking worthy, it leads to unity in the church. It leads to maturity in the believer. It leads to us being more like Christ, being more confident in our faith, able to speak truth and love, those two things together rather than just one or the other. And we also see that the church is a well-oiled machine where love leads to edifying growth when we do these things. So that's kind of a rehash of the first 16 verses of chapter 4. And then we get to verse 17 where we see the second therefore. In verse number 17 he says, This I say therefore, because of all that I've done, because of these things that I'm leading you to do, and what it looks like when you are uh, living consistently with your identity in Christ and you being a new creature, he says, therefore, and I testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Now, in all of, if all of these things have happened, the things that we read about in chapters 1 through 3 and now rehashed verses 1 through 16, if all of these things have happened, it should cause us to walk differently. And he tells us specifically how we should walk differently in that we should not walk as other... Help me on now, it's, it's written up there. Not walk as other Gentiles. Good, yeah, so we shouldn't walk as other Gentiles walk. Gentiles here um, is not referring to a specific uh, people group in a certain country. He's, he's just talking about people that have not believed the gospel. He's talking about people that are unbelievers. And he says, henceforth, or, or from now on, and I promise I won't break out into the song from The Greatest Showman, uh, but uh, from now on, uh, our eyes will not be blinded by the light. Uh, no, from now on, he says, don't walk like unbelievers is essentially what he's telling him in this passage. Now, immature young preacher Josh uh, used to see passages like this as like 
meatball pitches. If you've ever played baseball and a ball comes right over the plate and it's slow and you, it's, a, it's a homer, you know what I mean? And young preacher Josh used to see passages like this as, this is my chance to talk about all my soapbox issues because the Bible tells us not to be like Gentiles or not to be worldly, right? I, I grew up all the time uh, hearing pastors talk about how children of God, uh, believers, should not be worldly. In that tradition where we're told not to be worldly, worldly, defining that word was very subjective and rarely biblical. Uh, and what would usually happen is when we'd come to passages like this, young preachers like myself would say, let me tell you what it looks like to walk as the world, and let me tell you all the things that a Christian shouldn't do. But as I've matured in my faith in God, and as I've seen Him work in ways that only He can, I've realized more now than then that the Word of God truly is powerful. And the Word of God does a much better job explaining what it looks like to walk as a Gentile than what I can do, right? Now, we could all offer up our suggestions on things that Christians shouldn't do, but Paul doesn't give us suggestions here. He gives us clear commands. He says, this is what it looks like to walk like the world. So this passage is going to explain to us what it looks like to walk uh, in that way. Verse number 17 says this. Chapter 4 and verse 17, he says, This I say is therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. And here's the first part of it. In the vanity of their mind. How do worldly, Gentile, unbelievers, however you want to define it, someone that has yet to believe the gospel, how do they walk? They walk in the vanity of their mind. Now their mind obviously refers to their thoughts. Uh, it refers to the way that they view their world uh, around them. It's their worldview. And then when you think of vanity, vanity normally means something that's empty, something that's without uh, purpose or it's useless. But this word that's used here is actually, it goes a little bit deeper than just emptiness. It means to be void of truth or to be morally perverted. One person put it this way. The thought here is not, we'll go back one I think, the thought is not that unregenerate minds are empty that's not what he's saying the emptiness of their mind he's saying that their minds are filled with things that lead to nothing or even worse potentially things that lead to perversion and when you think of perversion you may think of sexual perversion but it just simply means he's perverting uh, the enemy is so good at perverting what god gave us for good and using it some, for evil and so what we see here is that worldliness or or as someone that is a, 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 an unbeliever their thoughts and their worldview are shaped by worthless things or things that have been perverted their minds drift towards what John told us in 1 John, he said this, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. Again, in this passage, we're getting a look into what people that are without Christ are drawn toward. And all of these things are vain. Just as Paul said here in Ephesians, they're empty. The, the, lust, of the, the, the lust of the flesh, this would be uh, a desire for pleasure. Does anyone know anyone, or maybe perhaps yourself, has struggled with the lust of the flesh, just the desire to feel, right? Pleasure. The next one is the lust of the eyes. This one would be the desire for possessions, just to have things. Anybody ever struggle with that? 
I know. I, come, come on now. I've seen some of you have all the as-seen-on-TV items, all right? Um, <laughs> and what, what those, those infomercials are designed for is they are designed to get people that struggle with the lust of the eyes because they see something and think, this will make me happy. And what do you find out, all of us people that have bought all, the, all of the as-seen-on-TV items? They do not bring happiness because they are vain. They are empty, just as Paul said. The last one is the pride of life. This would not be the desire for pleasure or the desire for possessions, this would be the desire for power. It's not the desire to feel or the desire to have, it's the desire to be. And what we see is that an unregenerate mind tends to drift toward one or more of these things. The next thing that we see in verse 18, uh, the descriptive uh, statement here about a worldly mind is that their understanding is darkened. Their understanding is they're, they're, they're not able to see clearly. As a matter of fact, honestly, I told Mark this morning, I said, I had this, this sermon illustration that I wanted to use. I wanted to bring like a black hat to, you know, to symbolize uh, that their thoughts aren't straight, you know, they're vain. And then I wanted to bring sunglasses to show that they can't see clearly. Uh, but I felt like it took away from the passage here, so we decided not to do that. But, but to understand, it's like putting on sunglasses that you can't see through. Their, their understanding has been darkened. It's kind of like at nighttime when all of us are tempted to be worldly, when you are walking through a darkened bedroom and you kick something because your eyes were darkened. And when I say you're just tempted to be worldly is because of the things that you want to say after that happens. Has anyone ever stubbed their toe before and felt like, I need a little more Jesus in my life, right? <laughs> you know? For, it's kind of just a simple illustration of what it looks like for someone that doesn't know Christ. They, they don't see things clearly. There's a reason that their understanding is darkened, according to the Word of God. They're dead. It's hard to see when you're dead, right? As a matter of fact, earlier in Ephesians, in chapter 2, he talks about when we believe the gospel. Chapter 2 and verse number 1, he says, you hath he quickened. To be quickened means to be made alive. You used to be dead. You were dead in what? In your trespasses and sins. To the church at Corinth, he put it this way. The natural man, this would be the person that is yet to believe the gospel. The natural man doesn't receive things of the Spirit of God. The things of the Spirit of God are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The reason their understanding is dark and the reason they don't see life clearly is because they are dead. They are blind. Chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. People that are without Christ do not understand spiritual matters and cannot understand spiritual matters because their eyes are darkened. The things that we teach from the scriptures are seen as foolishness to them. Why would someone want to go to church on Sunday? Sunday's your only day off. Why would you be you know, giving money to missionaries? And why would you support those kinds of things? Or why would you show someone forgiveness? They did you wrong. Why would you do that? Why would you show grace? Why would you give someone something that they didn't work for? Or why do you show people mercy? Why do you not give them what they got coming, right? They look at these things that the scriptures teach are spiritually understood by the Spirit of God and they don't understand them because their understanding has been darkened. Continues in verse number 18 and points out another part of it. He says unbelievers are alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their heart. They're alienated. To be alienated just means to be separated from. 
They're separated from the life of God. The reason that God created them and the purpose for which they exist, they're separated from that because of this ignorance and because of this blindness. Just like you and I, they are made in the image of God, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. We are made in three parts, just like they are made in three parts. Uh, We have a body, which you can see. We have a spirit, which is the part of us that interacts with God. And we have a soul. And the way that I've heard the soul described, and I think it's great, is our soul is our mind, our emotions, and our will. Right? The soul is the way you think, the way you feel, and the desires that you have right? And we are made in the image of God in that way. Now, for a person that's an unbeliever, if they are made of body, soul, and spirit, they are dead, right? And we, didn't we read that in Ephesians 2? That, that we were dead before Christ. So does that mean that their bodies are dead? No, they're alive, right? Uh, now, they are dying just like we are because of the curse. Is their soul dead? No, because their mind, their emotions, and their will are very much alive. Their soul will live on forever somewhere, right? What part of them is dead? Their spirit. The part of them that interacts with God. And so because their spirit is dead, they only have one other part that their body can be uh, directed by. And that is their soul. Their soul that is lost. Their soul that is without Christ. So when their soul thinks, their mind, emotions, and will, when their soul thinks, it thinks about things that will produce pleasure possessions or power for the body when they feel things or the things they want to do they tend towards things that the body wants that will bring power pleasure or possessions because they are dead spiritually there when we have when we see calls for faith or grace or mercy or holiness or forgiveness they weigh those things against what's best for me They weigh those things against, will it bring me pleasure? Will it bring me possessions or power? They are blind, so they cannot see or understand why anyone would want to do the things that God calls us to do. This kind of living without God leads us to see, or leads to what we see in verse number 19. Verse 19 is a description of what it looks like to have a blind heart, or at least a heart that is not pursuing the life of God. Verse number 19 tells us that they are past feeling. They are past feeling. There's something inside of all of us that knows that when we've done wrong, there's, there's a certain shame that it, that it produces. You don't just see that in ourselves, in our children. We see it in our animals. Anybody have an animal that sometimes is a bad doggy? Anybody have that? Right? Or if it's a bad... Cats, not so much, because cats are the worst animals alive. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, no, but... But like our dogs, we have three dogs in our house right now, and um, when one of them does wrong, they get into the trash, or they have an accident, uh, or something like that, and you point at it, and whenever you point at it, what do those dogs do? Their tail goes between their legs, they put their head down, their ears go down. They're experiencing a certain level of shame, right? Like, I I know I, I shouldn't have done that. Listen, that's something that we have inside of us as well. Those that are without God have done things their own way for so long that they no longer experience this feeling in the same way. When it talks about being past feeling, the idea here is is that of a callous. 
uh, a guitar player will have calluses on the ends of their fingers, and, and if you were to touch the end of their finger with a needle, it doesn't hurt them much. If you touch it on the other side, they're going to cry like a little girl. Uh, but uh, because it's calloused, right? It's beyond uh, uh, feeling. Uh, it, it, they've lost their sense of pain. As a matter of fact, Paul told Timothy that their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. It does, you don't have to look very far to see this in the lost world around us. In the lost world around us, there are things that should bring shame, but rather than bring, experiencing the feeling of shame from these things that are so blatantly and clearly wrong, they actually celebrate them. Uh, we live in a, in a world where it's politically incorrect to talk about homosexuality being a sin. And, and don't misunderstand me. I, I think that people that, that, that live that lifestyle, they need Jesus, all right? And, and we don't need to be the people that are beating them over the head. We need to be the people that come alongside of them and try to point them to Jesus. So don't misunderstand me when I say this. But we live where pride, when you, when you hear the word pride, that's what you think of. Because rather than it being shameful, they're openly celebrating it. Past feeling. You see the same thing with the abortion crowd. And again, I'm not against people that have had abortions. I know the people that are in those positions are in difficult spots and they, they need help and they need guidance and we're not here to shame them. We are to come alongside of them and point them to Jesus whether they know him or not. But we see these, 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 these uh, parades and the, 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 these people that are just proud. Like I've seen people wear worn shirts that say, I killed my baby. Like, What? They're past feeling. Uh, we, we live in a day and age where, especially in the younger generation, people celebrate drunkenness. It, it's, it's cool, you know? If you get wasted, if you party hard and all that kind of thing, it, it, it's shameful. But they're past feeling. You look at the gender identity thing. And, and again... Please don't get me wrong. I'm not judging anyone. I want to point people to Jesus, but I want you to see this truth illustrated here that this is, this is so simple. Men are men and women are women, right? But this is not something that brings shame anymore. Now it's like publicly celebrated. And we see that they are past feeling. There's something inside of us that knows that these things are wrong, but the world has become increasingly callous to these things. Some may believe that this isn't a big deal. Like, Josh, just let them do their own thing. Why you got to talk about this? They're not hurting you. You're right. They're not hurting me. But I have a responsibility to point them to the one that can bring them true happiness. Because what are those people looking for? They're looking. They, they have a, what one person said, a God-sized hole in their heart that can only be filled by him. And I want to come alongside of him and point him to him. And listen, it is a big deal because this is what it leads to when we are past feeling. The next part of that verse says, because they're past feeling, they've given themselves over unto lasciviousness. Raise your hand if you've ever used the word lasciviousness in your entire life. <laughs> when you see that, you're probably like, what in the world does that word even mean? Well, first of all, the word given, it says they've given themselves over. The word given means that they have committed something into the hands of another. It means they've given power over to someone or something else. And he shows us what they have given their power over to. Lasciviousness. Lasciviousness means this. Shameless, unbridled lust. It means an absence of restraint. 
It means to be without inhibitions. It is an insatiable desire for more and more pleasure. Paul described the fruit of a life that has lived in lasciviousness. Paul described over in Galatians what it looks like when we give ourselves over to living for pleasure and, and, and going after that. In Galatians 5, he says, here's the works of the flesh. This is what happens when we are not after God. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, herrings, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. We might look at the decisions that the world is making and ask, like, why would they do that? Don't, don't they see the pain that it's bringing? And don't they see how this isn't going to bring the satisfaction that they're looking for? Don't they know the damage, the shame, and where it leads? It is because their lives are directed by what makes them happy, what brings them pleasure, or what brings them power. They've been blinded. Look at the last part of verse number 19. Not only have they been given over to lasciviousness, but the reason is so that they can work all uncleanness with greediness. They just don't care about what's right or wrong. They're driven by lust. We saw, well, I didn't see it, my wife saw it. We were at a basketball game recently, and um, she was sitting behind the opposing team's bench, and the team did not have much respect for their coach. They weren't making eye contact with him during the, the huddles. They weren't doing what he told them to do. And my wife said that there was a lady sitting next to her, close to her, that she overheard her telling her son, not whispered, but loud enough so that not only did her son hear, not only did my wife hear, but the coach and the rest of the team heard her, his mom saying, don't listen to that coach, you just do you. You just do what you got to do. I'll tell you who would have been off the floor if I was the coach. <laughs> and I would have asked mom to leave too, all right? Uh, but you look at that and go, does she not understand what she's cultivating in that child's heart? Don't listen to authority. She's undermining her own authority because... Yeah, I mean, you get that, right? Uh, and that's what happens is when we get to this point where we're past feeling and we've given ourselves over to just our desire for whatever it is we're looking toward, it leads us to this position. Romans 1, I think, so clearly puts all of this together to help us understand what an unregenerate mind looks like. Romans 1 says, For the invisible things of, of God from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made. That's us. Even God's eternal power and Godhead so that they, us, are without excuse. Because that when we knew God, we glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Are you seeing this in our world around us? Verse 23. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, to birds, four-footed feast, and creeping things. Verse 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, through what? The lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. They changed the truth of God into a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause... God let them have what they asked for. He gave them up unto their vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. If you're asking, is that saying what I think it's saying? Yes. 
Verse 27, And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, isn't that the world we live in? God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do things which are not convenient, and they're filled with unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, de- uh, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of, all, of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but they have pleasure in them that do them. They celebrate it. One of the reasons I didn't bring someone up to put a hat and sunglasses on is because I knew that this is going to be pretty heavy. Is this heavy? Pretty heavy when you look at this and think about the world around us. And it can be discouraging to be reminded of the darkness that is around us. But I want to give you a reminder. This passage is not written to unbelievers. Because it'd be easy to stop right here and say, thus says the Word of God, let's go home. Right? And what would we all do? We'd go home and we'd be mad at the world around us. But this passage is not written to the people that are without Christ. It is written to believers. Verse number 20, he says this. Back in uh, Ephesians 4, verse number 20, I think is the next verse there. Here it says, we, you, you, you haven't learned Christ. Like, he went through all this stuff, and he's like, this is what the world around us looks like, but it's different for you. If if you believe the gospel, you haven't learned this from Christ, if so be that you've heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. They, the world around us, are alienated from the life of God. This is the condition that they are in. They are blinded. They are in darkness. They are dead spiritually. But that is not the case for those of us that have believed the gospel. We are alive in Christ. We have the Spirit of God. We have redemption and forgiveness. We are adopted. We are children of the living God. The call of this passage is not to get the unsaved Gentile world around us to clean up their act. I fall into the same trap that you guys fall into. I get ticked off. We were driving in Chicago uh, when Emma got engaged, we are trying to make our way up there uh, to see the engagement happen a couple of weeks ago, and the traffic almost came to a stop. When we finally got up there, the other side was a complete stop. We were just the, you know, the rubberneckers that were looking. You know, anybody still use that term, rubbernecker? You know what I'm talking about? Like, what's going on? Just to let everybody down. There were uh, protesters protesting the Palestine-Israel war that were just walking down the interstate with their flags. And... I needed more Jesus in that moment. I said a lot of things. I didn't roll down my window. I didn't say anything. But I was upset. Like, come on, man. Why are you doing this? And I told my family, I said, if I decided to walk down the interstate, they'd, they'd come and haul me off. But if I hold a flag in my hand, then it's just fine. Literally, like 50 or 75 police cars, and they're not hauling any of them off. And I was offering to help, right? Like, I was upset. I look at that and go, why would those people do that? And that's the same thing that we tend to do. We look at the world around us and go, why do they act like that? Listen, it's the same frustration that I have with our animals. My wife and I actually had an argument about this last night, and we'll probably continue it later today. We'll finish that out. But (laughs) don't say amen. Um, (laughs) It drives me crazy when dogs bark. We came home last night. We were toasted. I mean, just 
tired. Something every night last week, the worship table and everything else, and our brand new dog wants to play, and I didn't want to play. And Misty was like, you got to play with the dog. I was like, I'm a man. I don't have to play with anybody. <laughs> and she wanted me to play with the dog, so we went back and forth on that. And, um, but I'm that guy that's like, I don't care if they want to play. I, I don't want to play. And I get mad at the dog. We had a squirt bottle. I kept squirting it like, knock it off, you know. And it, it beckoned me back to the times where I would get mad at our dogs outside barking, and Misty would look at me and she'd go, Josh, they're dogs. Dogs bark. You can't get upset about that, right? When we look at the world around us, it's easy to fall into that same foolish trap and go, why would an unsaved person act like an unsaved person? It doesn't make any sense, does it? You see, what we're looking at here is that we shouldn't be surprised when unsaved people act like unsaved people. They don't need to clean up their lives. They need Jesus. We read the verse early in 2 Corinthians, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, unless the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You see, the call of this passage is not to get all worked up about the world around us, but to go back to what he said in verse number 17 before he gave that explanation of what Gentiles look like. He said, this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord. And when he said, I testify in the Lord, this was kind of like, put your hand on the Bible, raise your hand, I solemnly swear. Like it was getting everyone's attention. He says, I testify in the Lord that from now on, don't walk like the Gentiles walk. He's talking to believers and he's telling us that may describe them, but it shouldn't describe us. There are believers that have the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ in their hearts. They have the spirit of the living God. Yet our lives are often described by what we've seen in verses 17 through 19. We have been made new, if you've believed the gospel. But we have a choice as to whether or not we are going to walk in a way that is consistent with our new identity in Christ. Verse 17 is a callback to verse number 1. Verse number 1, he's like, Therefore, because you're new in Christ, you need to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. And then he drives it home in verse 17. He says, I testify, don't walk like the other Gentiles walk, where our lives are dictated by whatever will make us happy, where our lives are dictated by whatever will bring us more stuff, or our lives are dictated by what will bring us power. We view the Scriptures as optional, kind of like a buffet, like, nah, I'm not going with the mashed potatoes today. You know, we oftentimes view the Scriptures in that way as well. With little to no thought of God or His plan for our lives, we oftentimes find ourselves given over to sensuality or lust. For a believer to live this way, there are only a couple of reasons. Number one, we're not a believer. We've never believed the gospel and we don't have the light and we're still in darkness. The other reason is because oftentimes we live in an extended pattern of grieving and quenching the Spirit of God in exchange for our own desires. So what do we do if we find ourselves walking as other Gentiles walk? First thing I would say is if you haven't believed the gospel, believe the gospel. Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but by Him. Believing that He was the sinless Son of God who died on the cross, was buried, and rose again three days later. And if I'll call upon the name of the Lord and believe that He is my only hope, I shall be saved, right? But if I have believed the gospel, we see the very clear explanation of what needs to happen in verse number 22. Verse 22 says, Put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. We should put off the thoughts 
and the lifestyle that is vain. Remember the word that he used there? Vain means to be without purpose, or even worse, being perverted and going into a different direction than, other than God's original intent. We need to put off the things that are directed by the lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. As a believer, it's important that we recognize that our old man was crucified with Christ. When he tells us to put off the old man, the tense of this verb is, is it refers to a point in time. Uh, it, it is a decisive thing. It's not one of these things where, oh yeah, I know I'm supposed to put off the old man, so I'll see what I can do, right? I'll see they, how things go this week. No, this is a decisive, clear-cut, deliberate decision that has a determined action behind it. Truth is not powerful until it is put into action. We should put off the things that we know are destroying us. Putting off relationships that are destroying, lies that are destroying, substances that are destroying, attitudes that are destroying. Because ultimately, aren't we tired of the endless cycle of guilt and shame that are associated with them? The most miserable people that I know are people that have believed the gospel but have chosen to live outside of their identity in Christ, pursuing their own pleasures. And he tells us, put that stuff off. Draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not going back there. Put up whatever safeguards are necessary. Break off relationships. Make things right. The dead man has nothing for you. I know that many of us would say, well, yeah, I want that. That's something that, that, that sounds uh, good, and you make it sound easy. The problem oftentimes is not knowing what to do. The problem is knowing how to stop, right? And so that's why he gives us the next verse, verse number 23, where he says uh, very clearly to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. When you see the word renewed there, it means to renovate. Uh, it's, it's extreme home makeover, right? You're, you're completely gutting it and making things new. Renewing what? Our mind. The spiritual warfare that we uh, are engaged in takes place on the battleground of our mind. And when we see this word to renew our minds, it's the tense of this word means to continually do it. It's not a one-time thing like, I renewed my mind back in February of 24. No, it's a, it's a daily thing where you're constantly overcoming the lies of the enemy with the truth of the Word of God. Lies about God, lies about others, lies about yourself. You're overcoming them with the truth of God's Word. But there's one key thought that we need to finish with, and that's in verse number 24. He tells us, tells us in that verse to put off and then to renew our mind, but then in verse 24 he tells us to put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. As a teenager, I was taught that this would be called the doctrine of replacement. You, take, you put off one thing that's bad and you put on the thing that replaces it, Right? So like one of the things I struggled a lot with when I was younger was, was music that wasn't exactly appropriate. Uh, and so when I put off that kind of, of, of feeding of my mind, I tried to replace it by putting on something in its place. By getting rid of bad influences, try to replace it with good uh, influences. I could go on and on about things that need to be put off and put on, and I'm all for doing those things, but let's keep the main thing the main thing. We will never be able to stop walking like Gentiles without what we saw in verses 20 and 21. Let's go back to it. Verses 20 and 21. You have not so learned what? Christ. If so be that you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Him, Jesus. You see, when we're worried about putting off bad behavior and putting on good behavior, we are focused on the wrong thing. 
The call of this passage is not for us to be morally uh, renewed. The call of this passage is for us to be relationally uh, renewed. The focus is on Jesus. Romans 13 put it this way, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in the wrong ways, rioting and drunkenness and chambering and wantonness, strife and envying, but do what? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. If Christ is not preeminent, if Christ is not on the throne, if Christ is not being worshipped, something else will be. We do what we do because we worship what we worship. We said at the beginning there are certain things in life that cause us to walk differently. Talked about getting out of the car after a long trip. Talked about the keys, getting locked in the car. By far the thing that's made me walk differently is when I was just a young boy at eight years old, I came face to face with the understanding that I was a sinner and I needed to be uh, saved. I needed to be forgiven. And I, the Lord put two and two together for me in my mind. Like, oh, that's why Jesus died. That's why he resurrected. And I believed the gospel at eight. When I was 10 years old, uh, my parents got divorced, and uh, it was a very turbulent time uh, in our home. We moved from Tennessee to Illinois, and from the ages of 10 to about 14 or 15, I mean, just for transparency, I lived as a Gentile. We weren't going to church. Um, I could kind of do my own thing, whatever I wanted to do, and that's what I was doing. And a friend of mine um, invited me to go to church camp. I was like, loser, I'm not doing that, you know. He told me all the rules at church camp, and I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not going now. And he's like, there's girls there. I said, what time do we leave? And so I remember going to church camp. I can't remember if I was 14 or 15, but I do remember that I had just signed up for Columbia House. Have you guys remember Columbia House, 13 CDs for a penny? And I remember getting my old CD uh, Walkman. You guys remember the CD Walkman? Some of you are like, I remember the cassette Walkman, right? Um, took my CD Walkman, and I had a stack of CDs, and the, at the top of the stack was Dr. Dre the Chronic and Snoop Dogg Doggy Style. Uh, and that's that's what I enjoyed, and uh, I remember going off to, to camp, and I was listening to that in my headphones. I'm not sure why they let me bring that, to be honest with you, uh, but I did, and it was while I was at camp, something happened that caused me to walk differently. I was confronted with my spiritual condition. I was challenged to put off the old man, and they talked about music. And so when I got home, I put off the old man, me and my brothers. John, I don't know if you remember that, Jim, or not, but we took old Snoop and Dre and, and uh, the others, and uh, we broke them. And in my, my carpet in my room, there were pieces of CDs in there for months, right? I, I put off the, uh, the, the, the old man by breaking those CDs and everything. But, but by far, the thing that helped me most was not the things that I broke or the things that I put off. It was things like this that I put on. I found this in my library. I haven't looked at it in years. But around that same time when I started going back to church, someone gave me this devotional for teens. And I opened it up, and the first date that's in here is February of 1995. I was 15 years old. And I can remember setting my alarm to wake up a little earlier than I needed to leave so that I could put on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And I started reading through, and you're like, well, he must have been really spiritual. Well, I didn't finish the book, all right? So I, I wasn't as spiritual, but I was trying, right? Put off the old man and put on the new. Listen, I, I'm all for us cleaning up things that need to be cleaned up in our lives, but if you do that without spending time with Jesus and putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're missing the total point of this thing. So by God's grace, may we be made new by truly putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Thanks again for listening today. Grace Baptist Church exists to help people worship God, connect to others, and serve both. If there's anything at all we can do for you, please reach out to us. You can reach us on Facebook as well as online at experiencegrace.church. Hope you have a great day.